Warren stabs Bernie in the front. And obviously, I mean, Jen is working on a story now on how Warren has basically staffed her campaign with Hillary Clinton veterans uh, who worked for Hillary Clinton's campaign. So obviously you have a bunch of people from a losing presidential campaign who lost to a reality TV star who, I don't know, but you would have to assume that they were advising Warren go with the identity politics because it did such a great job against Donald Trump with the whole Stronger Together and you know female empowerment and all this stuff. While people in Mid- Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, Iowa, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, um, uh, Ohio, they don't care about identity politics. They don't care if you're a man, you're a woman. They care that you keep offshoring their jobs to other countries, which the Democratic Party just helped Trump do by voting for NAFTA 2.0, by the way, which I covered yesterday. So Elizabeth Warren obviously did that because she either had people around her telling her this will help pick off possibly some of those Bernie Sanders supporters who have vaginas that are disgusted if they find out that Bernie supposedly said a woman couldn't win. Um, Maybe it will pick off some of Pete's voters who left Warren for Pete. Maybe it will pick off some of Kamala Harris's voters that Kamala dropped out. Maybe they'll come to Warren, you know, girl power after she leaks this. Maybe it'll pick up some Booker voters who just, you know, Booker just dropped off. So I said at the time, this is going to backfire because it's completely obvious they planted it. It doesn't really, it doesn't really square with who Bernie Sanders is. You know, even Republicans are saying, listen, I detest Bernie Sanders, but I don't think he's a sexist and I don't think he's a liar. So it just was not really a believable attack. And proof's in the pudding. You know, I, I, I want to be consistent. I don't take stock in every poll. Some of them, the methodology isn't so great. A lot of them undersample young people, oversample older people. But the initial polls taken after the debate, Reuters national poll, you got Bernie unchanged, 20%. Didn't go up, didn't go down. You got Biden, who, you know, CNN, they were drooling. Oh, he didn't collapse on stage. He's the winner. Down four points after the debate. This was taken the 15th and the 16th, right after the debate. Uh, Warren down three. So Warren, would do, I don't know if any of you like put yourself through the torture of watching CNN after the debate. This is how disconnected these people are from reality. This is how disconnected. By the way, the average CNN journalist or anchor makes triple what any of you make. They are paid, you would think, because of their political acumen, their connection with how voters feel, every single one of them was slobbering over Elizabeth Warren. Oh my God, she stole the night. They all said, oh, this is going to help Warren. You know, Bernie didn't look good in that answer. He looked defensive. You know, Warren stole the night. You know, her campaign really set her up well with that, you know, no other candidate here has ever... We're the only candidates who have ever who have never lost an election. By the way, did 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 anybody point out? Forget that Warren is a woman and Klobuchar is a woman versus Bernie is a man. When they say we're the only candidates that have never lost an election, Warren Warren has only run two elections. Bernie has run over ten elections. Yeah, you've never lost an election. You've also ran a whole lot less elections than Bernie Sanders and. Joe Biden, to his, in fairness to Joe Biden. 
So it's not like, oh, women are so wonderful, they never lose elections. You, you never, you've only ran two elections, Elizabeth Warren. It's ridiculous. It's apples and oranges, but I digress. So not only did Warren not steal the night, in this national poll, she lost three points. She lost three points. Then you have a New Hampshire poll. After the debate, Bernie, 23%. Buda Judge, 18 Biden, supposedly strongest against Trump, 14 Elizabeth Warren, 14%. Honestly, the biggest shocker here is Amy Klobuchar up to 10% in New Hampshire. They must really like their, they must really like their broccoli there in New, in New Hampshire to give Amy Klobuchar 10%. So national poll, Warren down. New Hampshire poll, Warren at 14% after she uh, stabbed her ally in the front. And interestingly, in that New Hampshire poll, Bernie Sanders at 18% in his weakest category. Bernie Sanders at 18% for voters over the age of 50. Let me tell you something. If Bernie Sanders is up five points overall in Iowa right now, and Emerson has typically been one of the better polls because they do a more even split between surveying those under 50 versus those over 50. I've been reporting and criticizing the entire campaign. All of these um, pollsters, particularly Monmouth and Quinnipiac, wildly oversample older voters. No, go figure. Go figure. They wildly oversample older voters. And what do they get? Bernie far behind and Biden way up. But Emerson typically has about a 52 to 48 split. 52% over 50, 48% under 50. So it's closer to even. Well, I got news for you. If Bernie is up five points, but more importantly, if Bernie is at 18 points among those over 50, which is his weakest category nationally, he might win New Hampshire by seven to 10 points. If he's, if he keeps that over 18, 18 points, uh, and, and really within the margin of error among those over 50, he's going to win New Hampshire pretty comfortably. And if he wins Iowa, these numbers are probably going to be better for Bernie because the uh, candidate who wins Iowa typically gets a bump going into New Hampshire. And of course, Bernie won New Hampshire by 20 points in 2016. I was there. It seems, it seems, uh, so far, the only area that Warren had a bump was in California. Uh, Bernie went up, actually, after the poll, up to um, Biden, still in the lead in this poll. Other California polls have had Bernie, but this poll has Warren plus seven. Uh, I, I'm not just saying this because it's Warren and, and, you know, I support Bernie, but this poll in particular, I would caution, I think Elizabeth Warren has gone up for sure in California in this poll. However, if you look at it, almost 30% of those polled were Republicans in this poll. So it's a, you know, that's a pretty significant portion of those polled Republican. Uh, It was more women as well. Let's look at that breakdown. Yeah, 52% female. So I think Warren had, did get a boost in California. Uh, but I'm a little less worried if 
Warren got a boost in California um, after this debate and after shanking Bernie Sanders, uh, I'd be more worried if she got a bump nationally and if she got a bump in Iowa or New Hampshire. I haven't seen any um, immediate post-debate Iowa polls. Hopefully there will be one today, tomorrow, or, or Sunday. So we'll see if it had any effect in Iowa. I don't think it's going to have any effect in Iowa. I don't think it's going to hurt Bernie Sanders at all. Um, I think Warren is probably going to stay the same because I just don't think the voters of Iowa or New Hampshire are buying the bullshit Elizabeth Warren is selling. It's really, really remarkable to me because this shows the complete, and to me, it's truly a sign, not just politically, but in terms of media. It is showing that the corporate media is diminishing in its impact. The corporate media and the propaganda is no longer kneecapping progressives. I'm not saying, you know, declare victory in the CNN and, and Washington Post and the propaganda doesn't matter at all. But if this were 2016 and something similar happened with Warren uh, shanking Bernie or, or anybody shanking Bernie the way Warren did uh, and CNN ran with it for days, I think it would have more of a negative effect for Bernie. But I think the thing that's different and it, and it's definitely low key it hasn't been really focused on that much by reporters but number 1 compared to 2016 and 2020 it is night and day bernie sanders campaign is a i know he wants to get rid of the fossil fuels but he's a well-oiled machine now i mean he's got so much more staff it is so much better organized and his digital operation digital operation bernie's campaign basically has its own network in terms of the the digital videos they put out their um uh hear the burn which is a podcast they're doing their youtube channel the live streaming events and the coordinated uh messaging between david sirota um brianna Grajo, uh, Bri- uh i forget i keep saying her name wrong brianna the national press secretary uh that is going out and they are on message you know in 2016 it was this really really understaffed for for most most of it, and discombobulated campaign because you're up against the biggest political machine next to the Kennedys in the United States history in terms of facing Hillary Clinton. It is, it is really, really remarkable that essentially Elizabeth Warren, with the help of CNN, basically went for the jugular. They went for, he's a sexist, scandal, he, he said a woman can't win, Let's take him out. And it, I mean, these are preliminary results, but she doubled down in the debate. CNN was clearly biased and it literally had no effect. Actually, according to some polls, it's, it's only helped Bernie. So this is very promising because to me, the sexism propaganda is not really the biggest threat against Bernie Sanders not just in the primary, but if he becomes a nominee. That is not the biggest threat as far as uh, persuadable voters. Uh, And if it was the biggest threat, Hillary Clinton would have ran because she ran identity politics up the wazoo. You remember you got your women's card? And I'm, I'm, I I try to be feminist. I love, I love 
uh, I would love Nina Turner to be the first female president. Um, but I also have to call out identity politics. Where New York Times, and, and I actually think this report is more credible because it's not two people in a room, but multiple sources. I'm, I'm not going to read this whole thing, but there's a couple interesting gems in here. And the New York Times wrote about basically that the Warren-Bernie uh, scandal here, or faux scandal, didn't happen overnight, but it was basically building for months and months and months. So I really found this part the most interesting, and I think it says a lot about Elizabeth Warren, actually. Many Warren advisors and allies think the Sanders camp has long tolerated public attacks on her from his surrogates and believe he is not reining in divisive and in some cases sexist attacks against her among Sanders supporters on Twitter. And the Sanders camp is even more frustrated over what they see as an orchestrated days-long campaign by Miss Warren to revive her bid by suggesting Sanders is a misogynist. I find this so, so striking because first of all, and, and again, Warren's campaign is littered with former Hillary Clinton campaign people and former Obama people. So let me get this straight. Warren's campaign is upset because some of Bernie Sanders' campaign advisors have quote-unquote attacked her on Twitter by just pointing out that she voted for Donald Trump's defense budget, by pointing out that she's not actually for Medicare for All. This I have not ever seen Bernie Sanders' campaign once mention Elizabeth Warren and her Native American stuff, the DNA test, you know, questionable things about her life in academia. This is triggering you and this is an attack? If this is upsetting Elizabeth Warren and her campaign so much, how in the world? And I'm not saying this because she's a woman. I'm just saying this because reality. How in the world are you going to beat Donald Trump if you're getting if you're such a snowflake about Bernie Sanders campaign pointing out your record? This is the same nonsense that we experienced with Hillary Clinton in 2016 that, oh, these personal attacks, personal attacks about that you've taken more money than anyone from Wall Street. That's a personal attack, personal attacks that you've been for every war known to man, personal attacks that you yourself have called Henry Kissinger a close friend. Talking about your record is sexist. I mean, it's. And by the way, I would say the same thing if this was Julian Castro saying it or Pete Buttigieg saying it and stop attacking me. Grow a f-ing spine. Donald Trump is going. Donald Trump is going to make this look like chump change, and you're sitting here upset over it. It's unbelievable. But that wasn't only. That wasn't the only striking thing in this piece. And it was actually a good story by the New York Times. Very informative. Miss Warren and her top advisors believe that Sanders might not run for president, according to people familiar with the discussions at the time, and that there was at least a chance that the 77-year-old Vermont senator would accept political emirati- emir- emiratis? Emiratis. Emirati. Emirati status. Thank you, my love. Master's degree. And crown. Miss Warren as the new leader of the left. Are you out of your mind, Elizabeth Warren? This is what I'm talking about. The political instincts of Elizabeth Warren are just so terrible 
that not only am I worried about her beating Donald Trump because her instincts are bad, but I just want to read this one more time because I think it's so arrogant and out of touch of Elizabeth Warren's campaign. Miss Warren and her top advisors believe that Sanders might not run for president and that there was at least a chance that Bernie would just step aside and essentially, you know, take his role as the elder statements of the progressive movement and crown her the new leader. Yeah, let it let me just step aside from the movement I created because you were didn't have the courage to run yourself. Let me just step aside when I just saw that you already are, have made deals with the establishment Democrats because you made a deal with Hillary Clinton's campaign, and that's why you didn't endorse me in the first place. Let me just step aside and, and bend the knee if you're a Game of Thrones aficionado. I'll bend the knee and just crown basically the woman text messaging and having phone calls with Hillary Clinton the person going around having hot tea with the who's who of the Democratic Party establishment, the person voting for Donald Trump's military budget, the person that does not have a record of supporting single-payer health care, by the way. She thought and they expected? Because Bernie Sanders could have very well came out after Elizabeth Warren shanked him in the front and said, well, Warren was trying to talk me out of running. I'm assuming if that's what Warren expected was for Bernie to step aside for her. I don't know if she explicitly said don't run, but do you really want to do this again? Bottom line, I think Elizabeth Warren's political instincts are equal, if not worse, to Hillary Clinton's, to tell you the truth. I think Hillary Clinton, I don't think she is good on policy, but I think if her instincts were in 2016, forget the pollsters, forget the consultants telling me what to say, forget it all. I'm going to go back to that New Hampshire moment in 2008. I'm just going to be real for five minutes. I'm going to cry. I'm going to say this is really hard. And if she would have just been raw, I mean, I'm not a fan of her, but I would say the best speech she gave in 2016 was her concession speech. It wasn't scripted and it showed she actually has a heart. And actually feels things rather than just being a poll-tested, consultant-written robot. She would have won. If she would have dared to criticize Obama and some of the neoliberal policies. You know what? If Hillary Clinton in 2016 would have said, honestly, I have seen the old way of politics because I have been complicit in the system. And we need to move in another direction where money is not part of the political system. And that's why I am not accepting a super PAC. I don't want a super PAC. That's why I am not accepting money from lobbyists. If she would have just said, I've been complicit in this, but we need to move in a different direction. People don't trust Washington. She would have won. I don't know if she would have meant it, but she certainly would have won. But she was running on, let's, you know, she was basically running on what Joe Biden is saying now, a return to normalcy, or in that case, you know, don't let Trump, he's, anti, he's the Antichrist, don't let him in the door. But Elizabeth Warren expected Bernie Sanders, I don't, maybe expected is too strong, but, uh, you know, assume that he might step aside for her. I don't know. If I see someone, if I deeply care about these issues, if I'm Bernie, 
and I see someone that just doesn't seem to have a spine, doesn't seem to be have a core conviction about much, because Bernie's smart. He knows that Warren was basically negotiating with Hillary Clinton's campaign as early as 2015. He knows. He knows why she didn't say anything about Standing Rock. He knows she is a lot more. She is a very calculating politician. You think Bernie at 70s, then 77, now 78, you think Bernie Sanders was jonesing to go around the country again? Work 20-hour days, seven days a week? You think he wanted to do that if he thought Elizabeth Warren was the progressive candidate who could beat Donald Trump? Or that she would stick to her progressive guns if elected president? But there's another thing that I found really, really off-putting in this piece. And of course, you know, no one's covering it. Read this part. In 2012, it was Sanders' turn to cross the state line and stump for Warren, Senate bid in Massachusetts. They never became personally close, but their shared worldview brought them together in a Senate light on populists. When it became clear after 2016 that both harbored presidential ambitions, Warren was particularly careful to cultivate Sanders, meaning to to woo Sanders because she was already planning after 2016 to run. She endorsed Keith Ellison, a top Sanders surrogate, who was then a congressman for DNC chair, telling an advisor that she felt she owed it to Sanders, according to a Democrat familiar with the conversation. And before long, she was appearing on Sanders' podcast, and anecdotes were springing up in articles about how they shared meals in airports. Let me get this straight. Your choices for DNC chair were... Mayor CIA, I, I mean Pete Buttigieg, who was, at that point was already trying to leave South Bend. He was running for uh, DNC chair. Your choices for DNC chair. A no-name mayor from South Bend who is obviously a, basically was created out of a lab somewhere for neoliberal robots and servants to the oligarchy. The other choice is Tom Perez. I don't need to say anything else. We all know Tom Perez and Keith Ellison, first Muslim congressman, strong progressive, endorsed Bernie Sanders. I think he's now attorney general of Michigan, uh, Minnesota, excuse me. You endorse Keith Ellison essentially as a favor to Bernie Sanders. What? By the way, I don't want to get into the minutiae. I think Nomiki, who was my uh, colleague at the Young Turks, did a good job back then. That was very questionable, that race, and how they counted the votes for DNC chair. It was very close between Ellison and Tom Perez. And imagine if Keith Ellison was the DNC chair now. You think he would be giving four or five debates to CNN when they're up with this ridiculousness? So you got Warren after basically leaving Bernie Sanders standing at the altar in 2016. We read the reports. Bernie was literally at an airport hangar on the phone, essentially having to beg an ally to endorse him. And she, honestly, I think it's worse that she chose not to endorse in the primary. I personally would have respected her more if she endorsed Hillary. I would have been pissed off, but at least have a spine. But then this progressive 
endorses Keith Ellison, not because, like, it's obvious that's the progressive choice for DNC chair, but as a favor to Bernie because you're trying basically already. And by the way, it also shows immediately after 2016, she obviously made the decision, I got to set the road here. I got to start laying the bricks to run in 2020, which means, again, she didn't have the courage of her convictions to run in 2016. And by the way, I'm not even criticizing her for that. It's, 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 it's not necessarily the easiest decision to run for president. She had only been in the Senate for three years at that point. I don't think it disqualifies her. It doesn't make her a complete coward to not run in 2016, but it does make you a coward that you, I mean, literally Elizabeth Warren entered her political career slamming Hillary Clinton for switching on the bankruptcy bill. Hillary Clinton is first lady was against was against the bankruptcy bill. Then she becomes a senator. She takes God gobbles and gobbles of money from Wall Street. All of a sudden, she's for the bankruptcy bill. Moving on, I got to show you this clip because to me, it literally is an amazing visual of just what a sham. The New York Times, the Washington Post, all of these elitist outlets are. And I want to be clear, you know, occasionally they do a good job. You know, Washington Post, give them credit. They did a great story. It didn't get enough attention that we've basically been pissing away money, billions and trillions of dollars in Afghanistan for absolutely no reason. Absolutely no reason. Washington Post, good job on that story. One out of a hundred ain't bad. The New York Times occasionally does a good story or two. I just read you one. But overall, these people are so out of touch they literally, if you give them a choice, you want to go have a beer or, or go to a, you know, go uh, to a Garfunkel, Simon and Garfunkel concert with Bernie, or you want to go have Chardonnay with Judge. what do you think they're going to do? This is the coastal elite. So the New York Times, in their uh, interviews with candidates, they're coming out with their endorsement. Oh, they're coming out with their endorsement Sunday, and I'll be live. Come here. I want to bring you on. Come, come, come. Come, because we're having an argument about who they're going to endorse. Come on. My girlfriend's going to come on real quick. I've said that they're going to endorse Biden. What do you think? Klobuchar. Why do you think they're going to endorse Klobuchar? Because I think Biden's too obvious. And I think he's just fucked up so many times. But why would the New York Times... They always do the most obvious and predictable thing. They're the New York Times. I don't agree. And Klobuchar doesn't. Klobuchar is literally at like six or seven percent in Iowa. I thought you just said she was ten percent. That's New Hampshire. I don't know. I think there's. If it's not going to be Biden, I think it's going to be Warren. After the shenanigans with Warren, I don't think. They love the shenanigans with Warren. They were part of the shenanigans with Warren. You don't want to be on camera, do you? So I want to show you this clip. This is Bernie with the New York Times, and they ask him uh, about, like, how did Trump win and, and what is it symbolic of? And I think the person who asked him was asking him in the context of uh, racism. And, you know, how do we stamp this out? So take a look at their faces. Take a look at their faces when Bernie answers this question. It's truly remarkable. What about the fact that Trump 
has touched a chord in 40 to 44% of the people. What about that issue? It's like Trump is a symptom of a widespread problem. Yes. So, I mean, how do you address that? What is the issue? How did Trump become president? Not everybody, but tens and tens of millions of Americans feel that the political establishment, Republican and Democrat, have failed them. Maybe the New York Times has failed them too. That, that explains the appeal of racism? Yeah. People are in many cases in this country working longer hours for low wages. You are aware of the fact that an unprecedented way life expectancy is actually going down in America because of diseases of despair. People have lost hope and they are drinking, they're doing drugs, they're committing suicide. And when that condition arises, whether it was the 1930s in Germany, then people are susceptible to the blame game to say that it is the undocumented people in this country who are the cause of all of our problems. And if we just throw 10 million people out of the country, you're gonna have a good job, and you're gonna have good health care, and you have good education, that's all we gotta do. So all over the world, Trump didn't invent demagoguery. It's an age-old weapon, and you take a minority, and you demonize that minority, and you blame that minority, and you take the despair and the anger and the frustration that people are feeling, and you say, that's the cause of your problem. Imagine, imagine for just one second if Bernie Sanders is able to say that on a debate stage in front of Donald Trump. Wow. But there's so many elements of this. First of all, I don't want to minimize racism because I covered the campaign. I interviewed a lot of Donald Trump supporters. There is a racial component to why they support Donald Trump. I don't think it's why Donald Trump won the election, but there is racism and Donald Trump has given permission for people with straight up race, racial sentiments, not racism because they're economically hurting, not racism because they lost their job, but just racist because they don't like black people and they don't want the country to change. So that's a real thing. I've seen it. Uh, let's not minimize it. But I also think that has been used as a as a crutch. It has been used by a crutch, just like the sexism thing is used by a crush crutch for female supporters of Hillary Clinton or Warren or whatever. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but it's not the reason that voters in those states, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania, voted for Donald Trump. And I could tell you because I interviewed so many Trump supporters that literally they're, they're right away. Like if I said to them, if not Trump, who, who would you vote for? They said Bernie. I asked why. Because of these class issues, not, not race issues, but class, that he's sticking up for me. He's always been on the side of unions and, and workers. And by the way, if Trump's victory was, was basically a race thing, well, you have to explain how 10% of voters who voted for Barack Obama switched over to Trump. Did they just become racist? I don't, uh, you know, they voted for a black man, many of them twice, and then switched over to Trump. So although I understand why that uh, African-American journalist at the Times might interpret it that way, a huge problem with journalism in general is it's all centered, whether you're a black journalist, a white journalist, if you're at the New York Times, you're making pretty decent money. That's just the truth. They make a lot of money <laughs> at the New York Times. 
most of those people in that room do not leave New York and hit hit the ground around the country. Most of them, even if they go on the campaign trail, are not like going in the trenches like I do or Jen does or Marcus does, speaking with people. They're just following the candidate around. They're very disconnected from the pulse of the country, not just the pulse of people in the middle of the country, but outside of New York and D.C. I've, I see it when I come home after I'm on the road for a while. It, you know, it's, there's a disconnection. People live in a bubble, especially people that make decent money. It, it doesn't mean they're bad people. It's just human nature, you know? You are what you see. You are the, what's around you, right? So when I'm not on the road for a while, and that's too, long, too often been the case, but putting aside that, yes, racism exists, Bernie Sanders just explained something that those Times reporters do not understand. Did you see their faces when he was explaining people are hurting, people are working two to three jobs, you know, people are doing drugs and and drinking and these kind of things? You could see on their faces and their body language, this is something that they might know about peripherally, but they don't understand it. They don't see it every day. It's why idiots like David... Brooks write absurd pieces. I hope you didn't read this piece. He wrote a piece this morning being like, no, you know, there's no class war. You know, billionaires are great. Bernie's in fantasy land. There's no class war. We need to drop him into Detroit, into some areas of Detroit and Flint. We'll see what you think in a couple weeks, David. Not endorsing violence on David Brooks, but you know. But that visual of Bernie basically saying there's a reason that people become so desperate, so angry, so hopeless that they will gravitate to a, to a circus animal feeding them something different. Validating their anger at the political class in Washington, even a billionaire like Donald Trump. I, want, I've, I haven't gotten through all of Biden's, if you want to call it an interview, but I got through a few. I got through a few. Honestly, this man is living in an entirely different century. This man is living in an entirely different century. And if this man is elected president, you know, for example, Ted Cruz, I'm not comparing Joe Biden to Ted Cruz. He's not that bad. But Ted Cruz was basically running on, let's go back to the 1950s. So was Mitt Romney. So Joe Biden says this to the New York Times on his record on uh, racial issues. No, does he regret any of it? No, not on race or busing, because I think you've all kind of been shocked how much black support I have. Overwhelming black support in my home state. Overwhelming black support with the black caucus overwhelming black support with the black community because they know me. I've never been ashamed of anything I've done. I fought for the African-American community and fought for them my entire career. Well, I'll be damned. First of all, first of all, I don't want to white-splain. I'm a white man. Joe Biden has a lot of black support because he was the first black president's vice president. Let's just call it what it is. 
there ain't, there ain't a black person in America who would know or care who Joe Biden is if Barack Obama did not choose him as vice president. Okay? So not, it's not that black people – and again, I can't speak for all black people. I can't speak for any black people. I'm white. But it's not that – to me, it's not that the black people of America like love Joe Biden's record so much. It's because there, there's a familiarity there. There's a, there's a – I vouch for him in being Barack Obama's vice president. But you're, you don't regret anything as part of your record? He went on to say, the only thing I regret is that I pushed through, uh, you know, the discrepancy clause uh, between crack cocaine and powdered cake cocaine, which disproportionately jailed black men. That's it. He doesn't, he don't regret the countless other provisions, the provisions in the crime bill that he rammed through that incarcerated black men way disproportionately than white men or women. He doesn't regret the fact that there's black men in America sitting in jail for the rest of their life, three strikes and you're out for nonviolent offenses. That's Joe Biden's work. He doesn't regret. I mean, you want to talk about sexism, what he did to Anita Hill, sexism and racism. I don't regret anything. It's really astounding. And the New York Times didn't challenge him on it. They didn't challenge him one bit. Another doozy. He continues that he will, is the only candidate that wouldn't legalize marijuana. He says, because I think science matters. I mean, one of the reasons I'm running against the guy I'm running against is science matters. Now, nobody says I'm not arguing, and Senator Booker acknowledged I wasn't arguing that we should. In fact, it, it, if, in fact, it was a gateway drug. What I'm arguing is there have been studies showing that it complicates other problems if you already have a problem with certain drugs. So we should just study it and de- decriminalize it, but study it and find out. This is the same bullshit Republicans use. We need to study the effects of guns in America. Get the medical community to come up with a final definitive answer as to whether or not it does cause it. If it does not, if it does cause other problems, then make it clear to people. So that's a place you do not engage in the use of it. Oh, yeah. If Joe Biden is, you know, soldier science, then why is he not banning fracking? Why is he not banning fracking in America? All the climate experts, all of the scientists have said fracking is one of the massive leading contributors to global warming. To greenhouse gases. The methane that comes from fracking doesn't seem to follow science when it's smacking him right in the front. Josh Fox, brilliant documentary filmmaker, has said anyone who supports fracking is a climate change denier. Doesn't seem to care about science then. His other answer on marijuana was equally absurd. Sure they have. I get that, but that doesn't mean the science shouldn't be looked at. Couldn't you look at the science and legalize it at the federal level in tandem? Why would you promote the science if the science wouldn't say it's a bad idea? If the science would say it'd be a bad idea to legalize it, you got to find out the facts first. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Work with me here. So Joe Biden says, why would we legalize marijuana and study it at the same time? 
wouldn't you want definitive proof of something before legalizing something that, according to Joe Biden, could harm people? But on war, yeah, I'll give you military authorization to go to Iraq. Did you send? Oh, yeah, we'll send the weapons inspectors in after the fact. We could do both at the same time. Hello? No, we can't legalize marijuana while still studying its effects at the same time. Can't do that. But we can launch a war and invade a sovereign nation at the same time trying to find out if the reason we claim we're going to war because they have weapons of mass destruction, we could launch it before finding out definitively if they have them. Does anybody see an inconsistency here? We'll go to war without definitive proof, as he's asking for in the case of marijuana, which, by the way, there is definitive proof. It's not a gateway drug. That's ridiculous. It's a plant. It makes you feel good. It helps people's body pain. It helps cancer patients. It helps people's anxiety, depression, back pain. I could tell you. I mean, this guy is such a fraud. And by the way, does anybody have a sneaking suspicion that all of those healthcare executives showing up at his fundraisers, giving him max checks? Does anyone have a little suspicion that all these big pharma people flooding his campaign, lobbyists for healthcare companies, could that have something to do with Joe Biden not? being so sure about marijuana because you know if marijuana was legalized there's a lot of pill pushers that might go out of business there's a lot of these drug companies i hope pfizer isn't watching that might not be so successful in pushing opioids when those fine people in west virginia and other places are able to go to their local dispensary and get more authentic organic medicine you know all of the doctors all of the hospitals they might have less product to push to the american people if you legalize marijuana but i'm sure that has nothing to do with any of it but then to me this and again i've only read like three questions it's a very long interview This, to me, was the worst thing he said. And for those of you that might experience issues with depression, anxiety, bipolar, schizophrenia, anything, any mental health issue, to me, this was astounding that he would say this. So we've also learned a lot more about drug abuse overall. It used to be that we thought, I've spent a lot of my career in the Judiciary Committee dealing with this issue. We used to argue, and you tell me when I'm going longer than I should, we used to deal with it in terms of we thought that mental illness was a product of drug abuse. It's the reverse. Mental illness is the reason for drug abuse. It's not the reverse. And that's why when I wrote the crime bill that everybody 
for a while there thought that was a massive reason for massive incarceration, which it wasn't, I might add. But what happened was I put in the bill at that time drug courts to try and divert, divert anyone arrested for a drug offense. Mental illness is the reason for drug abuse. I mean, I'm not a scientist and I'm not a doctor, but, and I'm, and let's be clear, there are mentally ill people who also are addicted to drugs. That's certainly true. But there is no definitive, and that is a gross generalization, that mental illness causes drug addiction? You know what causes drug addiction in a lot of cases? Not having a job. You know what causes drug addiction in a lot of cases? Your job being sold to China or Mexico. You know what causes drug addiction in many cases? Your local economy being non-existent. You know what causes drug addiction in a lot of cases, particularly in the youth? If there's nothing to do in your neighborhood because all of your stores have been closed down, your YMCAs and community centers have been closed down, your playgrounds are falling apart, and it's not even safe to leave your home. That can cause drug addiction. I have seen it.